Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to the conversation. I thought I would do a short series of episodes around motivation, why we do the things we do. And so in this episode, I want you to ask the question, why do you have the goals that you've set for yourself? What do you hope to achieve? Are you on a pathway or a road to success? And when you arrive at this destination of success, what will it mean about you? Because remember, when we've talked about form versus essence, the success, the trappings of success, the car, the money, the house, the boat, whatever's there for you, that's the form of it. And we go after the form of these things in order to arrive at a feeling state. And so what I'm really asking is, what is the feeling state that you're hoping to achieve? What is the meaning that you're creating for yourself? Now, to fully understand these questions or understand your answers to these questions, I want to talk about some psychology 101. There's an idea that Sigmund Freud came up with, one that actually holds water, Many of his concepts, many of his ideas were somewhat off the mark. But this idea, which is the pleasure principle, was spot on. And so the pleasure principle is all about how we move away from pain and move towards pleasure. In fact, all animals do this in some way. It could be said that every decision we make is a contrast between moving away from pain or moving towards pleasure. Sometimes it's both. We're moving away from pain and moving towards pleasure. Now, the second aspect of the pleasure principle or the pain pleasure principle is that we will move faster away from pain than we will moving towards pleasure. You see, on an other than conscious level, we associate pain with the possibility of not surviving. Pain is uncomfortable. Pain hurts. If we're experiencing pain, typically that means we're potentially in danger. The third aspect of the pleasure principle is that perception is reality. What does that mean? Well, let's dive a little deeper. In our mind, we have two ways of processing a thought. There's a simple structure, and that is X plus Y equals Z, or Z. And then there's a complex structure where x plus y divided by a over b and then multiplied by a factor of 2 equals z. And what that means in a roundabout way is that some events are guilty by association. They don't directly translate into fear. They don't directly translate into being uncomfortable. They don't directly translate into pain But we've created an association that if we engage in a particular activity, it is going to lead us to potential pain. And so just in the prospect of being uncomfortable, just in the prospect of experiencing pain, we won't even go down a road. We won't even broach a subject. We will avoid it at all costs. What this looks like in our lives is the formation of our comfort zone. What is comfortable to us is known as the familiar. It's the realm of the known. There's no fear there because we pretty much know what to expect. Outside our comfort zone, that lies the unknown. That is potentially painful. 
And it's just potentially painful. We don't necessarily know, but the way our mind works, we start thinking about all the things that could go wrong or can go wrong. And we don't go there. We have fear. We have fear of taking action. Now, this also translates into fear of success. Now, we're not really afraid of success, but success isn't unknown to us because we haven't really engaged in it. We don't know what's going to be demanded from us. We don't know how we're going to have to maintain it. So there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of, there's a lot that we're uncomfortable with. And that feeling of being uncomfortable, we perceive as dangerous. And so over time, we tend to acquiesce and do more of what is familiar, more of what is known, even if it doesn't really serve us long term. If we're familiar with it, then we'll stick with it only because we know what to expect. Many years ago, I had a friend ask me to breakfast. I had to meet her at a place that was 20 miles away. She had to drive 20 miles. I drove 20 miles to meet her. And she proceeded to tell me that she was in an abusive relationship and she wanted to get out, but that she was afraid. Her boyfriend at the time was into drugs, doing cocaine, and he would have bouts of anger and verbally and physically abuse her. I told her that I would assist her in getting out. I told her at breakfast that I would secure a truck, I'll secure some guys to help her, and just to be ready to move when he was going to be away. I said, we can be there in about 30 minutes, and we can have all your essential items packed up and in the truck in less than an hour. And she looked so relieved. She said, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so I proceeded to secure a truck. I had one at the ready. I talked to the manager of the U-Haul, not just down the street from me, and he had one available. He said, all I had to do is call him, and he gave me his personal number, and we were ready to go. We had a team already to go. And then I had five different guys that I lined up that could be available. At least two of them could be available at any point in time, whenever I got the word, whenever I got the call. Well, based on our plan at breakfast, I was supposed to get a call sometime within the next two to three days. This was before cell phones. And in order for me to get the word to her, I was to call three times. I would call and let it ring, hang up, call, let it ring, hang up, call, let it ring and hang up. And then she would know that I was ready. Well, I have to tell you for the next three days, the next four and five days, I was on high alert. I had already prepaved it with my boss. If I got the call, I would be leaving work. He'd have to cover me. He was prepared. We were all set. And so I was in the anticipation. I was just biting at the bit in order to, you know, set this off in motion. And the call never came. I was instructed that I could not call her because if I did and he was there, then he would beat her. He would verbally abuse her. She would feel his wrath because I was contacting her. Well, after six days, I decided I was going to call her and I was going to pretend I was a salesperson selling magazines. Well, my ruse worked. I was able to talk to her. And she told me, though, that she was going to stay, that things had gotten better. Well, they had not been better for three and a half years. And suddenly, they're better. I said, well, okay, that's, that's your choice. But I said, we'll have to make some other arrangement then if you ever want to leave because I put all these systems in place and I'm going to have to tell them it's a no-go and I can't be on pins and needles just waiting for the phone call. She said, I understand. 
Well, it was a week later, she called and left a message on my answering machine and said, we're getting married. And in my head, I'm like, what? What? She's getting married to this dude? Well, she knew what she was getting into. It was scarier because she didn't know where she was going to move to. She didn't know where she was going to go. She didn't know how she was going to live, how she was going to survive. She didn't have a job. And of course, I told her that we'll just work all that out. We need to get you out of there. But even though the circumstance for her was not ideal, I won't even say that, it was horrible. It was familiar. It's what she knew. And so she stayed because it was familiar. Well, I don't know what her life was like for the next 15 years, but she was able to finally escape when he died of a heart attack. And so when I talk about a complex equivalent, what I'm talking about is her relationship with this dude was painful. It was miserable. It was filled with fear. She never knew when he was going to be set off and and beat her. And when I had breakfast with her and I talked about being free from that, that was pleasure. But the real problem with that scenario of moving towards pleasure, moving towards freedom, is that there were so many unknowns that she was too uncomfortable. There was more fear there in the unknown than in staying in the dynamic that she was in. So how does this apply to you? Well, there are things that you could be doing that you think you should be doing, but you don't because you perceive a certain amount of uncomfortableness in moving forward. That uncomfortableness creates fear. If I move towards that potential pain, that is fearful. I don't know what's going to happen. Of course, we think, again, in the worst case scenario, and in past episodes, I've tossed out the question, why not ask the question, how would it be if everything went right? How good could you stand it? How much pleasure are you willing to endure? If you reach for the stars, maybe you won't reach the stars, but at least you won't come up with a handful of mud. But sometimes people think, well, at least I know what the mud feels like. So how does this relate to the original questions I asked? Why are you doing the things you're doing? Why are you moving towards the goals that you've set for yourself? What's the complex equivalent there? Well, in a couple episodes ago, I talked about twin flames and soulmates and all that. And part of that is what is the want and need that we're attempting to fulfill in being in a relationship. In that episode, I talked about we are typically in a relationship or seek love in order to be validated, validated that we are lovable, validated that we are important, validated that we are enough. And so what we're moving away from is the shadow belief that we believe in our heart underneath If someone was to really ask us, if we were to dive deep, we would say, I don't believe I'm enough. And so we seek these activities, we seek success, we seek the relationship in order to have a validating experience that contrasts that feeling, that inner feeling that we're not enough. The trouble with that is that that we're putting the validation or the proof in the pudding in somebody else's hands. Our validation or our feelings of love are dependent upon the other person showing up in a way that we find satisfactory, or at least satisfies the criteria that we've set for ourselves to prove to ourselves that, yes, we are lovable. And that's what the pain is. Like if these relationships end up 
not going the distance, if they end up not ending up, we're left with a fact that we're not enough. If we were, we think, or we say to ourselves, they would have stayed. It would have worked out. If only I would have, or only if I could have done that or this, then everything would be fine. And what we're faced with is that suffering aspect of living in the woulda, shoulda, coulda, and then we're faced with the facts. Well, the relationship did not last. They're not with us. They're with somebody else. And this is the complex equivalent. And that feels painful, even though they're just doing what they're doing in order to fulfill their own wants and needs. Usually has nothing to do with you, really. Not in the way that you think. But this is where it gets even more convoluted. If we're in that relationship and there's the prospect, if we're honest, if the prospect, if that we have any conflict, that they might leave us. And so there's that fear that they're going to leave. I'm not enough. And that is a pervasive fear. It's an insecurity that's going to, I guess, fester underneath the surface. As I said in that earlier episode, I spent many, many years seeking outside validation, seeking validation in others, other women, other relationships, that I was enough, that I was lovable. It wasn't until I arrived at my own set of criteria for myself and my own inner knowing that I was enough. When I showed up in a relationship, I could list the things I bring to the equation. What is the benefit of being in relationship with me? And so because I created a body of evidence of what that would mean to me and validated it for myself, I no longer needed outside validation. Now, a tangent to this is I spent the first 45 years of my life pretty much trying to make up for all my activity, all my personal investment, my personal development was in the pursuit of making up for a limiting belief that I wasn't enough. And this is why I asked you, what is your motivation to succeed? What is your motivation to achieve the things that you have, to have the relationship that you have? If you did not have that there in your life, what would it mean about you? Because remember, at the very essence of it, the at the essence of that complex equivalent that we are trying to fulfill on some want or need. And we think by moving off on this path, moving off on this journey, that we're going to arrive at a destination where we will feel satisfied. We will have our want and need fulfilled, the essence of what we want. So for myself, when I created this inner set of criteria, when I was had this inner reference about who I was, and I didn't need that external validation. It was nice to have it when it showed up. In fact, I would check and see if I had at least some of it to validate my own inner feeling. Because, you know, if I'm totally dependent upon my own inner criteria and don't take in any external feedback whatsoever, I can become delusional. Or a person could become delusional. And so we want to kind of heavily lean on if it we're sitting on a fence, we want to heavily lean to one side where we are autonomous, where we have a sense of sovereignty and we're living from our own inner signals. And then on the other side of the fence, we have one foot dangling on the other side of the fence and that's seeking the feedback and balancing the whole equation. 
That way we have a healthy set of references. So when I did that for myself, when I had this feeling, when I arrived at this place of being a whole complete and self-sufficient by myself, for myself, and then if I was in relationship, I would add to that and I could be in choice. I was choosing to be in a relationship. I didn't need it. I was choosing a set of life circumstances. I didn't need it to validate myself. You see, early on, I would engage in activities. I would engage in behaviors that would lead me to a sense of validation. Somebody else would say, good job, Daniel. Phenomenal, Daniel. I'd get applause. I was seeking that outside validation. Once I gave that to myself, it changed my motivation in life. Instead of moving away from that inner belief that I wasn't enough, what I was moving towards was the curiosity of just how good could it be. I'm moving towards the fulfillment and the possibility of life just for the sake of the fulfillment. And if I fail or if I'm off the mark, then I course correct. I take the feedback and I adjust my approach. But if I fail or if I'm rejected, it doesn't mean anything about me. It's just feedback. And you've heard me say this before. There is no such thing as failure only feedback, because we're in this long game. We're in the possibility, fulfillment of being in life. And so an additional question to the earlier ones, what's driving you towards success, is what would you begin if you are not afraid? What would you do? How would you be if you are not afraid? If fear was not even part of the equation, what would you want to fulfill on? What do you want to explore? The whole reason I'm doing this podcast, and I say it, you know, early on, let's see where we can take this. I have no idea. I don't have any idea where this, I'm looking at the possibilities. How many people will this resonate with? How many people will this reach? How big of a difference will me putting my material out in the world make for the world? And this is why I've said in the past that I don't need you to accept me. I don't need listeners I want people where this information resonates with them. They're at a point in their life where they're asking the questions. They want to expand their consciousness. They want to master their mind because they get the possibility. Now, this conversation around pain and pleasure is going to factor into the next three or four episodes. And so I'm really happy that you listened this far to this episode because we're going to start talking about threshold, reaching a pain threshold or a threshold of discomfort and what that does to our psyche. We're going to talk about predictive futures and how we forecast into the future based on our past experience. And that's not just the experiences that we've actually had but the experiences that we've imagined as well. And so we can create a body of evidence. We can create some proof of how it's going to be moving forward. And this translates directly into law of attraction. And then all that's going to lead up to me sharing an NLP process or technique called a changed history or a changed reality, which allows you to take a look at some behavior, take a look at a habit, take a look at a belief and ascertain what is the impact on your life and what is the impact moving forward? And then what do you want to do to change it? And we'll stack it in a way to where you will automatically shift your behavior because you've integrated or rewired your brain. Very powerful. 
So again, some questions you can ask for yourself. What's driving you? What need or want are you attempting to fulfill? And if you identify a sub-personality, a sub-aspect of your persona, each of those have a want or need it's attempting to fulfill on. It's either, it's usually moving away from some pain, some imagined pain, and there's that complex equivalent. You set this grand intention, a part of you identifies, ooh, there's potential pain there, it's potential uncomfortableness. Let's shut down the engines. Let's park it right over here. And then this part that created the intention has the experience of my body, my subconscious is sabotaging me. It's not self-sabotage. That part is looking out for you. And so it's identifying what is the positive intent? What is the positive value that is being expressed by this subcomponent? But you can look at any one of your behaviors. You can look at your behaviors of your loved ones, of other people out in the world, and postulate what is the want or need that's attempting to be fulfilled by this behavior? Underneath that is the idea that all behavior has a potential positive intent, meaning that there's a positive intent behind the behavior, but the result may not necessarily be positive, but the intent is positive. This is where the aphorism, the road to hell, is paved with good intentions. Because underneath this pain and pleasure principle is a lack of looking at the total consequences down the road. We seek immediate gratification or immediate relief from whatever discomfort that we have. So by delaying gratification, by, I guess, being with our pain, riding it through, being uncomfortable or learning to feel comfortable, being a little uncomfortable, we are actually heading towards a long-term outcome that's overriding the programming of our unconscious that is avoiding some imagined fear. I look forward to our future conversations, the ones that are coming up right after this in the following episodes. So until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel DeNovi, urging you to follow your bliss, live your life from inner signals, be inner-directed as you engage in the epic adventure. <laughs>